On this episode of Quantum Week, October 13th through 19th, 1996. Quantum Week. Quantum Week. Welcome to Quantum Week. I am Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which uh, Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year and we talk about movies and music and headlines and history and all that stuff. And we are October 1996 bound with Sleepers and Love You Always Forever. Right. Sleepers first. Yes. Okay. Uh, so if, if I had to make a list of my most underrated movies of the 90s, um, this would certainly be on it. I think that's a good way to describe it. Movies completely really been forgotten. Yeah, it has. By, by people. And... From the second I saw it uh, in the theaters in 96, uh, up until now, uh, it is one of my favorite movies of the 90s. I think this movie's really good. Uh, I, it, it, it hits all the marks for me. It's just, it's, it's very dark. Obviously. Very dark. Uh, but it is one of the best revenge tales ever. I think so. Yeah. I would call it very good, not great, high B, like sort of like 87, 88, high B plus for me. I think it's really good. There's some spots where it misses it for me, but... Many good things, including the directing, I think is really good. Directing is really good. Yeah. Uh, Particularly because it's so complicated. You've got a huge scope of time. Right. Mul- like multiple casts, if you think about it, a yeah. kid's cast two, and then an adult a, cast. It sounds like two movies. Two movies. Yeah. And it's very complicated to explain it all and to have all those different, like the huge casts like that. I, you know, Levinson does a great job. Yeah, I give this an, uh, an A minus. Um, yeah, we're not, close. It's not going to crack my top, like top six. I kind of still sneaked apart in there. I saw that, yeah. Um, but it's in that next, so like we've done so many episodes now, we almost, and we, luckily we've had a lot of great movies. We really So have. we have kind of that top tier, which is say those top six. Yeah. And you have kind of a next tier, which is like, you know, Karate Kid and Moneyball and yeah. this and a, a couple other ones that we've really liked uh, that fall into into that one. So this is like that hall I, of the very good. Yeah. That's where this would fall. Totally. Although this, this is one of my hundred favorite, I mean, so it's Karate Kid, but this is one of my like hundred favorite movies. Like I love this movie. This movie is, it's cruel. It's, it's very cruel. Uh, and you know, let's talk about my favorite, one of my favorite scenes. Well, do you, do you want to give a synopsis? Yeah, I'll just okay. do a quick synopsis. So four teenage friends in like mid sixties, hell's kitchen, New York accidentally almost kill a guy, like almost mortally wound him. He's, he's beat up. So they go to juvie bet- from between 12 to 18 months and get, repeatedly assaulted by the guards. And 15 years later, there's a revenge that turns into a courtroom drama. Right. Um, yeah. So this has, this has one of my favorite, favorite scenes, favorite scenes in film. I wonder if I, 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 a couple of them. So I wonder if you chose the same one as me. Uh, or one so it's the, it's the scene, the very first scene we see them as adults. So we have the, uh, it, it ends we like I said, it was kind of two movies. It so is. one movie is them as, as 14 year olds. It's really is almost half the time yeah. is with the kids. And then, uh, and then we, in a flash forwards to 1981, there's all this stuff kind of happens in 68 to 70. Yep. And then a flash forwards to 1981. And we see these two low really, uh, at a bar. Yeah. And, uh, as one of them is walking in, in, it has this great song. It's like, I forget the name is. It's like, we wit away or whatever. That it's an Irish it is, song. Is that right. Yeah. It, it's kind of hard to find. I found it a, a couple years ago. I, uh, it, it's, it's, it's gotta be all Gaelic too. Cause I couldn't, you can't really understand the words. The yeah. way he uses this. Levinson uses the song is so brilliant. Cause it, I, I, I that second that scene comes in, I'm like at the edge of my, Oh yeah. What the fuck with, is going like, to happen? The hair on my arms. I'm yeah. like, Oh my God. And he, Ron Eldred, who's very good in this. He is. Walks by a, uh, Kevin Bacon, 
who is yeah an older an looking, older kind of beat up working beat up, Bacon. Yeah. and you know by 1996 even you know everyone kind of has that film relationship with kevin bacon yeah so he is very noticeable so you know it's him you know he has the right guy immediately yeah and it's one of the guards the head guard that not only matches the assault him, not only they violently assault him physically but they also sexually assault these yeah. kids uh cruelly like like cruelly i mean just and repeatedly and it's, it's awful it's, yeah. it's hell it's hell and um he kind of notices it's him as he's walking in the bathroom and it, it, it the way it's shot is it's like you're with ron elder in that moment you're like oh mother fuck, it's him. motherfucker and yeah. it, it, it and then he walks back he goes to the bathroom and it's kind of like he's kind of stares in the mirror for a bit and like just tries to like regain his like just composure yeah and he goes back and tells his friend who's played by billy crudup and in, in his first role so in that moment, when I first saw the movie, when he's first seen the theaters, and Ebert even references it, these guys are unknowns. They are. But Billy Crudup has had a huge career, obviously. He has, yeah. So uh, then the two of them go and they uh, they confront Kevin Bacon, and eventually they, they shoot him. Um, but the scene, the moment when Eldred kind of walks by and, and sees him for the first time. And the recognition happens. You see him almost like go back to his childhood, and you're right, yes. regain his, po- his composure. Like, oh yeah, I'm a badass. And then he's I got can, like I something. I can take care of this. Right, yeah. he's like, He's got like he a walks quip. by and you see the fear in Eldred's eyes. Yeah. And then he goes to the bathroom and then you see the realization in his eyes like, oh, wait. I'm I an can, adult. I'm a badass. I like can, this guy's I can going. fucking kill it. I, yeah. I can take yeah. power. And a lot of this movie is taking power. It, they, uh, there's even like references like it's our time. Yep. It's uh, now we can we can go in there and we can we can kind of fight back in that scene too. I like I don't know that I would have had the same composure as the two of them did when they did go and confront um Snokes. Is that his name? Snokes. No, yeah. Noakes. Oh, Noakes. Yeah. No, Sean Noakes. Noakes. Yeah. But they like, they, you know, they kind of, res- they, and maybe they have a lot of confidence, obviously because of their, their, what's gone on in their life, but also they're buddies too. Yes. So they've got that rapport there, but they sort of play off each other as they kind of, you know, play with uh, Noakes a little bit before they shoot him. Right. Like that, I don't know that I would have that confidence. No. With someone who, you know, assaulted me. No, I, I, I mean, I have no idea. I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, but I, but he noticed though he does go and get his friend before he, he confronts him. He does. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the two of them, this is it's just it's just brilliantly shot. So that's one thing I I love about the is about this movie. My favorite thing. Now, one thing that Matt I probably need to talk about to kind of get out of the way is the controversy around this film. Yeah. So, um, do you believe this story? Do you believe this is a true story? I don't know. I mean, so it, it's a book by Lorenzo Carcaterra. Carcaterra. Okay. And he claims that it's based on a true life event. Yeah. So he wrote this book in 95. I've never, I've never read I it. I haven't either. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, the book was a kind of a hit. Yeah. Um, and immediately they're like this, there's many, many, many things in this book that, that were kind of proven not to happen. Sure. Or people didn't line up. Now, he, now Carcaterra says, Hey, I changed the name. I've changed the location and stuff, but he is still based in New York. Like he's written other books where he's the, like, he's yeah. So no, he, we, right. We know he goes to New York. Not only that, but he makes himself a character in the, in, yep. in, so he's in the book like as himself. So you, it's pretty easy to kind of figure out who he's talking about. Sure. And those people don't back up his story. No one does. I can tell you that none of the, none of this, um, sets off an alarm for me that it can't be true. No, but I don't think this happened. You don't think it happened? No, I think this is this is bullshit. Like I think he's kind of like a liar. Um, but I don't, I don't watch this movie thinking it's real. No, right. You're thinking right. It's a it's a fictitious. Yeah, it's like a, I it's watch a, it's this film. movie yeah. assuming it's like it's a piece it's, of art. It's it's fiction. It's right. not real. Like yeah. So then it doesn't even fun, matter. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter. matter to me. Right. So so that way I I can enjoy it. It's 
uh, it's not a fun story. It's a, um, it's a dark, compelling story, but it's, it's, it's a fun revenge sure. element. Fun is the wrong word. It's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a rewarding revenge. Rewarding is a good way it's to fun say it. To, right. It's, it's fun to watch them take, take ownership back, I guess. It, it's a great movie. To me, I love this movie. It's a great movie, but I don't for a second think it's real. So if you watch the movie, so there's a lot of controversy about it, especially at the time. And if you watch the movie until the end, there are some title cards that pop up at the very there end of the movie. And it's based, I think that was obviously for legal reasons where they had to say like, listen, no one in the DA's office has ever said this is true. Yep. Um, there's no record of any abuse like this happening in the correctional um, system. Now, that's 1996. <laughs> right. So here's my thing with this is that this shit almost certainly happened. Now, oh, absolutely. And here's, here's the thing that didn't, we didn't know about when this movie came out. The Boston priest scandal hadn't popped yet. That's the other thing. So I think if the Boston pre, if this movie comes out 10 years later, there's a lot less skepticism about the, the narrative, right? Cause like if you even read Ebert's review, Ebert kind of like gives them a really hard time saying it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's homophobic. It, actually, I do want to talk about that. I have a real issue with this uh, with this review from Ebert. Me Number too. One, he gives it a three stars and then tears it to pieces, tears it apart. which is like and he, he basically stupid. He's call he's almost like calling out Barry Levinson and and Carcaterra for being like homophobic. That's what he says. He says we wouldn't have, they put that as a device in this film so that we would so that we would be more appalled by it. But no, we would be appalled if it was heterosexual rape. Like rape is fucking. If you don't feel that like in your the core of your being if you don't if you don't want to kill these motherfuckers child rape too if you don't feel that then you are not a human being doesn't matter if it's heterosexual or or homosexual it doesn't matter time has not been kind of that review because now we've learned now in 2020 yeah organizational institutional rape fucking happens happens all the time yeah 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 people take advantage especially of kids especially these kind of kids who are you know these four kids in, in the story didn't come from broken homes, but they came from homes that were a lot of abuse, father figures that weren't great dads. Yeah. And obviously they're in juvie. Things are fucked up. So I could easily see guards preying on, and I'm not trying. There are no, no, sh- not all. Prison guards, right, right, right. But preface, preface, but preface. Just look at the, look at, think of the type of person who may be drawn to that type of work. Same thing. Think of the type of person who may be drawn to being a priest. And do you think it might like there's a possibility that's a higher percentage of people who like to abuse children? Let's you know pretend you're a sexual predator for a second. Where would you go? Where would you go? You want to go somewhere where you could have power over and kids. you yeah. could get attack kids who yeah. they're going to believe your word over theirs. Yeah, a guard and a priest. It's perfect. Exactly. Like, that's exactly right. So, I was so pissed when I read that fucking. Me Eber. too. I was I, like, fuck you. I was like, this does not hold up. Well. It's done this not does, at all. No. I know, and you could tell that he was trying to be on the right side of history by going yeah. at them for being exactly. You know, trying to be sensitive to, right, the, to, to the, the yeah, right. right. But this is not. This is never about There's nothing about that. About being gay. He, he's too smart for that. Ebert should know better than yeah, that. A really That's not bad what this review. is. It's about fucking abuse. But this so this movie had a lot of kind of scandal swirling, especially yeah. I will say the the homophobic stuff honestly was much you heard a lot less of that back then. You heard a lot more of is this story bullshit or not the yeah. Carcaterra stuff. Because Carcaterra also um he helped with the screen. He was a producer here. Levinson wrote he wrote the, the screenplay, wrote the but screenplay. of course. But Carcaterra was, was involved. Yeah. He had a producing credit right. and he definitely had a hand in the screenplay. Yeah. So, you know, obviously it's also his story. I think, you know, I think Carcateri is also on set. Like, they, he was there, yeah. okay? So, you know, he was really involved, and then his name was really being dragged in the mud the entire, like, making of this movie, if you look at the timeline. And even when this came out, they're like, is this story bullshit or not? But, like, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. You know, and I know why the DA, and I know why, you know, people who worked in the, in, in you know, prison guard at the time in New York, upstate New York were probably... Up in arms a bit. I get it. But that's, you know, that's not... what. 
you know, it's a story. It's a story. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's the compelling story. And like I said, it's one of the, and there are performances that go above and beyond. There's so many good things about this movie. So many great things. People get caught up, but I just wanted to address it because yeah. it is. It no, is I was going to bring that up anyway. Cause that's a, that's an important thing for me. Maybe as we well can probably move on. From yeah, that totally. Yeah. Like yeah. A movie. Uh, amazing cast. Like a huge cast. A crazy cast. A cast that's, you got, it's one of these movies that have such a great cast that even the, at that time, unknowns become stars. Are awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you got Kevin Bacon, Brad Pitt, Robert De Niro, Dustin Hoffman does a great job, great in, job. In, a, in kind of a small underrated role. Yes. Uh, Jason Patrick, of course, who I've always really liked Jason Patrick. Uh-huh. Later on in his career, it starts to get yeah. weird. But like this time period when he did, he did like speed. What was it? Speed 2, if you... Uh, Not Speed 2, no, uh, no, what's the drug one? Um, uh, a narc? Was it narc? No, before that, it was uh, it was Rush. It was Rush, Rush. With, uh, okay. which I thought was a, like a crazy film for him. Yeah, I, I liked him at this time period. You had Billy, Billy Crudup, like you you mentioned, uh, Mini Driver, Ron Eldard, who then goes on and does ER forever and is a big star from that, actually. Yeah. And then you have fucking he Wendell Pierce, done, he John did, Slattery. He did ER before. Did he do it before? So he did it before. Then he did this, and then he does Men Behaving Badly, which is a sitcom I don't know that on one. about a year and a half um, with Rob Schneider and Justine Bateman. Uh, and he also did Deep Impact right after this, oh, that's which right. we covered already. That's right. That's right. So this is kind of like peak Eldred, but Eldred, yeah. Eldred's more of a stage actor. He actually ended up, he grew up on Island, uh, mm. and he is, does more stuff in New York. He did, um, was it Doubt? Doubt was a great film. Uh, but he did the play. Oh, okay. I believe. Cool. Yeah, I believe him right on that one. Yeah, he, uh, so he's done a lot of work. Even Jeffrey Donovan, who was unknown at the time, did yeah, Burn I Notice. I really like that show. Did you watch that? I did. did. Watch? I, I don't it's, really like those USA shows, good, but he, but he became show. a big star. Yeah, it's a good and, show. And uh, and he was an unknown in this. So yeah, I said even the unknowns were became were huge. big. Yeah, and many drivers, people, many drivers who just yeah. got nominated for an Oscar, and then you have three eventual or previous Oscar winners. Uh, yeah, you know De Niro and Hoffman. You know, think about that. And, and you, have, you do have one scene. We have De Niro, Hoffman, and Pitt, that last courtroom scene. Yes. Uh, when De Niro's uh, there. Testifying. Uh, testifying. You do have all three. It was just, it's pretty good because you don't it get... Is. You don't get multiple Oscar winners kind of talking. So you had Hoffman and De Niro. I know it's a courtroom, so they're not having a true conversation. Yeah. But you're having the two of them go back and forth a bit. It's pretty great to have a two-time Oscar winner, you know, working with a two-time Oscar winner. Uh, Kevin Bacon... Deserves a nomination here. Right. Not only, yes, he is phenomenal in this film. He's also a great, he's done a lot of shit, yes, but he's a great actor. I think he's really good. I think this is his best performance. It may be. So right before this, I, I'll probably get killed for this. He did a film. The film wasn't amazing, but he was amazing in Murder, Murder in the First. He was great in that film. He's too. good in that film. He's very good in that film. He's also really good in a horror movie called Stir of Echoes. Yeah, he's good. Which is kind of a yeah. It's not a great movie by any means, but he's really good in it. But this this role is no. He's great. Yeah, he is great. He should have got nominated. Complete fucking. This movie got a lot of blowback, so you're probably wondering like, why is this? Why haven't I heard of this movie? if you're younger, or why didn't if you're our age, why didn't this get nominations? And it's because of the stuff we talked about earlier with the carcaterie. This really got this. This movie got dragged. Is Kevin Bacon as good of an actor as Brad Pitt? As as his contemporaries in this, not as contemporaries, some of the elder, but as Hoffman, as is, is he as good? Is he in that caliber? He stacks of acting? up. So I think Pitt is woefully miscast in this movie, and I think he's bad in it. I think he's fine. He doesn't know what to do here. It's not his best thing. He looks, he looks lost. He does look uncomfortable. He doesn't sound at all like a New Yorker. I know, and I, no, I, I he give doesn't. him credit for not trying an accent. Yeah. But he just doesn't fit with these guys. And then um, Jason Patrick is, is not. Is my I think opinion, Patrick not, actually does. I, I think Patrick does pretty well. He kind of blends in. Uh, he's he's not. I don't think he's particularly. Good. He's kind of the every. He's the normal one of these of this of this group though. Like he he's is. the one that kind of made it out. Kind of made peace with it. And I thought he played that really well. I li- I like him in general. But so do you think? 
just career-wise, do you think Bacon... I mean, he hasn't been... Career-wise, no. I know, oh, but, God, no. You no, mean, but like, as an actor. No, no. Skill-wise. No, I, I, don't, I don't know. No, I mean, I can only... I mean, in this movie, I yeah. give him credit for this. In right. this movie... He's as good as De Niro and Hoffman, who both are great. Okay. They're both really good in this movie. Yeah, they're really great in this movie. I think De Niro's really good in this. Yeah. A crazy underrated role for him. No one yeah. ever talks about this, this movie when you talk about his great movie. I get it. He's got a long and he goes to great movies. This is one of De Niro's best performances, and this is one of his last great ones. He still looks kind of young here. He does. Yeah, and he's in his mid-50s, I think, by but this he, point. But he, pulled, but he doesn't look, you know, he's not meet the parents De Niro where no. he looks old. He got, he, De Niro got old, like, overnight. Yeah. There's two De Niro scenes which are amazing. There's the close-up while Lorenzo is telling him oh. the story, which is just, you see him start to tear up and it's like, it, and you it just And you see him also you. processing it. Processing You it. see yep. in his eyes, he's like, you can see him thinking like, I can't, I can't swear on a Bible and lie. Yeah. But then you also see he's thinking at the same time, I can't let, I can't let this happen. I can't let this, this 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 guy get off. This is, yeah. This, 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 yeah. Normally when someone is telling a story, the camera is focused on that person, but that's just not happening. You are a hundred percent focused on De Niro that entire time. It's a, I think that's a great job by, by Levinson too, with directing, but the other scene, um, that I, that there's plenty where he's great. There's the scene where he's, uh, he's visiting Lorenzo in juvie. Yes. And they have that interaction and he's trying to be supportive. He knows. He fucking knows. He's, you can see him looking, like, yeah. scaling the room, like, yep. like Which, what, what's, what is what's, happening? What's going on here? Yep. But he also knows he can't betray, like, the, he respects the kid's wishes of not, sort of not betraying him there. I think he realized, I, I don't know, I think he would have betrayed the kid to, not betrayed him negatively, but betrayed his worry, whatever, to fix the solution. That's what I mean. But I think he also, he, as someone, he said he'd stayed with this Wilkinson. I don't, I don't think he, he didn't sound like he was ever raped. No. But he said, but he knows that is a violent place. And I think he realized, but what am I, I can't bring down a whole institution. What am I going to do? So that's a great one. But then, but the other one that really stuck out to me is when he does swear in the Bible. And this is, and this is actually a lot to do with Levinson's directing as well. And he does this throughout the film where he changes the way you hear sound. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he uses a lot of verb, which is just echo, like, like big room echo when, uh, I can't remember who it is. If it's the bailiff or someone explaining to De Niro that, you know, you're swearing on the Bible. Do you tell the whole truth? All, all that stuff. And it's really like ethereal and echoey until De Niro says, I do. And then it's super present, no verb on at all. And it's like right there in your face. I, I love that scene. It's like, it just kind of knocks it's, me it's, back. It's great. I mean, that, that seems fantastic. It ends with him holding up the ticket stubs. Yeah. I always keep my stubs, which yes. I do keep my stubs. Yeah. So every time I get a stub at a game, whatever, I always think of that. I always <laughs> keep my always stubs. stubs. Uh, uh, there's another great scene, and, and it's uh, it's a short scene, but it just shows you how great of an actor Rob De Niro is. Jason Patrick, so there's a line of people getting the wafer uh, yep. uh, and uh, at the church. So uh, she, he gives it to a woman, and then he sees Jason Patrick, and he looks like he sees a ghost. Yeah. And he... Th- now that's hard to do because you know he knows Jason. You know yeah. Rob De Niro, the man, knows that Jason Patrick's coming up, but probably, but probably Bobby doesn't. But it's pretty impressive to look shocked and pull it off and not look like a cartoon character. He looked genuinely shocked when he saw Jason Patrick, and uh, he just but he's he's so good in this. And it once again got ignored at Oscar time. Yeah, you know. It, it showed the intimacy too, because I don't know if you noticed, but, but he was also, he was giving everybody the body of Christ in their hands. In their hands. There's two ways to take it. You can right. take it in your hands or directly into the mouth. But no other character. No other saw. did it. He, he put it right into Jason Patrick's mouth. Right. Yeah. That was, that was a, that was a crazy scene. The other stuff. So the abuse scenes are not, they're not graphic, but they're horrifying. Um, but another thing he does is backwards through the tunnel away, yes. like kind of signifying, um, detaching the kids having to detach from that situation. 
a lot of like shit, like, you know, weird camera movements and, and etherealness and, and the use of, of, uh, echo, like I said, uh, you know, vocal production to just show, just, just to really waver you off your feet. Some things don't work. So the football, like the football scene is terrible. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's not good. They, it's sort they, of black and white and like it's shot at weird really, angles. It's really over the top and, yeah. and not good. So what happens is you have the guards play the kids in the game of touch football yeah. and the, the kids win, but then the, the guards just, just take out and revenge, just beat the shit out and of kill a kid and you end up killing one of the kids. Um, but it's shot. Is it almost shooting as like a flashback, but this whole movie is yeah. a flashback, yeah. or at least the first half of it is. So, like, what are we doing flashback here? Flashback and a flashback. It's uh, a it, weird. And it was just like, it was shot. It was, yeah. it was like way too much. Like, that's that should have been dialed back. That would have been really a lot more effective if we just shot it normally. Then we would have, you know, it just felt really odd and clunky. It did. Um, other scenes are great. Uh, the the scene with that, where they, at one point, the kids steal a hot dog cart. Yeah. And the hot dog cart guy has enough and, and chases one of the kids, and the kids end up. Well, one, he's chasing one kid. The other three steal the cart. Yeah. And that chasing between the hot dog vendor who I, when I first saw this movie, I was 16. So I kind of You're like, related ha, more ha. to the kids. But now. I didn't think of ha ha necessarily. But I was just, I was just more related to the kids. But yeah. then, you know, seeing the middle-aged hot dog vendor now as a four-year-old man and you see the fire in his eyes. The yeah. actor's very good. He is. His entire life is in that cart. Everything he has. And he's also just had enough. Yeah. It's like, I'm sick of these kids ripping me off. I'm sick of people always, I'm sick of always being the guy that's getting kicked around. Yeah. And this is his moment in this guy's mind. This is my moment to take a stand. And he's like, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to chase this kid. It's just one hot dog, but it's a, it's a, it's a point. Yeah. It's, it's a philosophy thing. But he has, at one point he stops. You just see the fire in his eyes and you just see the kind of desperation and the anger. And it's like, this guy is, and just the way it shot, it has that great Spencer Davis group song. Um, uh, which one is it? Uh, I don't, I don't remember his song, but the song that's played over that scene is just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's, it's so good. I, that's, that scene is that's a great scene. so well. Yeah. And it turns so like on a dime, it just gets horrific in a dime because they end up, they end up just doing what stupid kids do. Yes. And then you never, you don't necessarily think that there's any kind of nasty repercussions to it, but they dangle the cart over a staircase down to the subway and the because reason the why idea they, is the guy's going to go for the car and that way then you can, can run escape. away and they, and but they could have just escaped by walking away from the car. I mean, it's just, they could have just left the car somewhere, or left the car somewhere and, ran, exactly. and the guy probably would have stopped chasing them. Yes. But I can understand as a, as a teenage boy, yeah. you do stupid shit and you're stupid like, stupid shit and they dangle it. And then it's becomes what too much for it gets too heavy for the kids. Cause this cart's are fucking heavy. Yeah. Uh, and they explain why too. There's the propane tip, which is true. Those carts are really heavy. I was, Oh yeah. yeah and Lucky didn't explode. They let the car go where they drop a cart basically goes down the stairs and then some poor guy is walking and it hits him just gets crushed by it and he gets he's hospitalized i guess he lives but i guess it was quite an ordeal the kids are great really good i think this is this is this may be the best um acting by a group of kids i've seen it's good uh brad renfro is, is good and then he ends up of course he has probably the biggest career of those four what's he done since well he did Turn. a client Oh yeah, that's and right. And he did, did Bully that we I talked about before, right. uh, but he ended up dying. He's of, the one who died. Uh, died years drug overdose when he's twenty five. But yeah. he was probably the biggest name of the kids. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know he, he looks had a, a little like Ethan Hawkish. Yeah, that, he does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he had a little bit of a career, and then he, drugs kind of ruined ruined right. that for him. The other three, you don't you don't see uh, a ton of right. Oh no, you do see. Well, I oh, the kid no, that afterwards. Sh- yeah, I don't, the kid I don't that plays Shakes, he was yeah. in Sopranos. He played a very small role. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't in, in the last seasons, but it was kind of fun. You see, you see him kind of pop up. He plays um, uh, one of the uh, guys in Tony's Cruise kid. Okay. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, you don't really see the kids a ton after, which also no. is good for the movie looking back because now you only kind of see them in this and they are, you don't think about anything else, but no, who they are in this film. Who they are in this film. Yeah. And they're very good. I think they're very good. It really works. Um, Anything else? Oh yeah, I did want to also mention the score. This is an odd score by John, John Williams. Williams, and it's great. It's very good. It's a it's a great score. Like you, John Williams, he's known for you know his, uh, his marches, his like heroic music. Of course, this is not that at all. It's it's uh it's definitely different than what you would expect from him, and he does a phenomenal job. The so score throughout is crazy. John Williams was nominated for over fifty Academy Awards in his career. Yeah. Okay. He didn't even get a nomination for this. He did get a nomination for oh, this. For this? Oh, for did. this movie? He did. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. That was the only nomination. Okay. Received. All right. Yeah, he did. So and he should have. It, it's, so I was going to use this as another example of them getting fucked over. Getting fucked over. So no, they luckily. Least, they at least gave him a nomination for yeah, this. He, no. he, he didn't win, but he, he definitely deserved Because I, I just want to go through it just real quick because it, yeah, sure. it really does kind of, it really does piss me off. Um, yeah. But let me, let me take a look here. I'm pulling up the Academy Award. Well, speaking um, of Sopranos, uh, Ada Tutorial was in it, of course. She is. That's well, a good yeah. call. Nice job. Yeah. Uh, Janice. Uh, drunk, drunk Janice. <laughs> drunk Janice. Uh, oh, how good is Dustin Hoffman? Is I know we kind of glossed over. Just quick, like but... picks her apart in like such a nonchalant way. And he's he, all of it. He's he's just so good in this. this is um, great. There was talk when this came out that he would get a nomination for this. Okay. And, yeah. And then um, like I said this movie just kept getting dragged, and it became just like it's it just, too bad. It, it's 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 really it did now, well in the box now, office too. It, it did it, number one back to back weeks. Um, it did okay. It did did well yeah, enough. One hundred and forty worldwide. I mean, yeah, I don't know what it did and most of it's America. Yeah. Uh, so especially that time in the nineties. Yeah. Um, but it, like I say I think if you ask younger people, they've never heard of this movie. Yeah. I guess I, not. This movie just got completely forgotten about in time. Um, it it, it, it it's a shame. So best picture that year the english patient won all right that was gonna okay. win that was yeah, gonna win that makes right? sense yeah so fargo was also nominated which should be absolutely deserves to be there yeah jerry Maguire was nominated which which is okay that's mm, all right. right and secrets and the lies which i don't remember at all and then shine that was a jeffrey rush movie i but, saw but, I, yeah, yeah, that was pretty good you no know, you have movies this so 96 was a great movie year it really yeah. interesting movie year you got movies like swingers yeah. um this one you have a oh, People vs. Larry Flint. That, oh. that should have got a nomination. Yeah, it's a good film. Because, you know, that he got, my, uh, Milos Foreman got direct, uh, nominated for Best Director. Yeah. But they didn't give him the Best Picture. That, yeah, that movie is, is better than all, I think. That's a good film. People vs. Larry Flint. Uh, to me, in my opinion, Sleepers is the best movie of this year. Well, you could definitely um, insert, you could get Jerry Maguire out of there and insert a, a number of other films, I think. Yeah. Easily. Sh- I liked Shine. Uh, you may, uh, it you was okay, have a but it wasn't it, but... hold up to those other films. Yeah. Swingers in particular. I mean, Swingers that's a great, a a great yeah. movie. So best supporting actor, because we, we seem to agree that De Niro, Bacon, Hoffman. and Hoffman, all three should have been considered. Absolutely. Okay, so none of them got a nomination because this movie got dragged. So uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. won for Jerry Maguire. He's that, all right. That role is a cartoon He's just over character. The exactly. It's that's not, a problem. It's, you know, time has proven that Cuba Gooding Jr. is not a good actor. He is Obviously, not. We, no. we know that now. Um, so William H. Macy was nominated for Fargo. Okay. A brilliant performance yep. in a very good movie. Yep. Um, Armin Mueller-Stahl was nominated for Shine. I don't remember his performance then. I'm sorry. It's been so long since I saw it. Edward Norton was nominated for Primal Fear, and he's really good in that movie. He's good in that film, yeah. That movie, so he's in two movies. That's an underrated movie, too. It is. It is an underrated movie. Uh, That was the first time we saw Edward Norton. Was it really? Yeah. So Edward Norton's in in that, and he's also in People vs. Iron Front, which came out later that year. Yeah, he was in that film. And he's really good in that movie, too. Uh, But he's really good in Primal Fear. But Larry Flint's a better movie, but Norton's role is just bigger it's norton and who's the who's the other guy he plays a uh, uh richard gear richard gear yeah Prophet, yeah yeah, I, yeah um and then james woods was nominated for ghost of mississippi which i don't i remember. don't think i've seen that i don't either. know if i saw it so but you know 
there's not room. Cuba Gooding Jr., give me a break. There's not Come room on. Yeah. for Kevin Bacon in this movie. I know. Kevin Bacon in this movie. He's Kevin phenomenal Bacon in this film. Is, yeah, he's phenomenal in this film. Is, is really good. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I'm really... I'm, I was really excited we got to talk about Sleepers because I think it's one of those movies that I said town is kind of forgotten and yeah. maybe our younger listeners haven't. If you haven't seen it... You should see it. Yeah. It, it is long. It's 220. Yep. But it's fine. You get... It's like there's such a big scope because that you kind of need Because there's two it. movies, it, it actually kind of breezes right by. Yeah. Uh, I think Levinson's brilliant. I think... So this is my favorite Levinson movie. So he More also, than Rain Man. More than Rain Man, which we've also covered Rain mm. Man. I think this is a better movie than Rain Man. Um, this is in probably that same tier. Remember we talked about that yeah. call the very good. Right. So I don't think it's a lot better than Rain Man, but I definitely think it is better. Um, Bugsy too. He had like 10 nominations for that film or something. You know, I nominated Bugsy, but didn't get any, right? And then he also did Diner, which I know like, you know, Kirk Minahan loves the movie Diner. I don't think um, I've seen it. I it's okay. it's okay. I'm not a big Diner guy. It's very, it's it's about these guys in Baltimore in the 50s. Usually, uh, Levinson movies take place in Baltimore. So this one takes place in New York. And because of that, he doesn't quite shoot New York quite right. You can tell it's guy doesn't. He interesting i don't i don't love even like i saw like the, the kind of the roof shot in the beginning of them on the blankets and then it kind of comes down into the street level in hell's kitchen i thought i mean you would know it better than me but it seemed felt yeah, new york to me that chase scene was pretty good too I, yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. um but then especially in the 80s stuff some of this like the bar actually looked great right mikhail's where they where they shoot notes yeah. but then other parts like especially in the street and stuff my god ah, doesn't quite like feel it. right it yeah. feels weird okay um I, I just didn't didn't love that um but yeah, I'm I'm glad. I was just I was super excited we got to talk about this movie and uh for the for this show. I, I was I was amped watch up. It. Yeah, I, I highly recommend giving it a spin. Yeah, watch this film. Anything else you want to talk about with it? That's it. Um but yeah, I love this movie. This is this is a this is a really good one. That's basically the song. It um, is. Okay, so the song is I Love You Always Forever. And this is, you know, this, when we run into... This is, this is everything I hate about music. Oh. And people, actually. This is everything I hate about music and I hate about people. This song... So you said before... I just wanted one quick question for you yeah. about music. Stuff. The last couple of songs we've run into, you're like, Say, Say, Say. And yeah. you're like, hey, Chris, this, this song doesn't have a chorus. I feel like this song is only a chorus. It's basically that. Is yeah. That, am I right? The, is verse, that a good- the verse is slightly different. Okay. It's basically a two chord song. Um, so it's the same. It's one four. And there are like slight inflections kind of passing chords, but it's basically, it's, it's basically that the entire way. There's That's nothing it. to this song. There's nothing to this song. Um, she has no affectation to her voice. She delivers it like she doesn't give a fuck about anything. Um, the, there's there, the vocal melody isn't inspiring. The instrumentation isn't inspiring. There's nothing about this song that is inspiring in any way at all, but, but it's still a huge hit. It was okay. So yeah, so it hit number two actually on the hot 100 because we already did Macarena, which was number one. <laughs> this is quite a time. Wow, wow, <laughs> no. What a lucky time oh, to put the radio on. We talked like about Macarena this, or this like, fucking nineties hot 100 is not a wheelhouse yeah. for us. Like it's bullshit. Um, and so it did hit number one on the top 40 for 11 weeks. So remember hot 100 is sales. Yes. So it didn't sell quite that much, which is strange, but it did hit number top 40, which is record, which is plays on the radio. In fact, it broke the airplay record. <laughs> most played single at that point in time ever. Wow. On the fucking radio, dude. That's rough. Um, this song was everywhere. It's 
It was everywhere. a lot. Well, because so it was number one on the top 40, hit number one on the adult contemporary, like a bunch of the different charts. It yeah. did. So on basically the spectrum of radio stations at that time, what was playing the song? Yeah. You know, um, from, you know, from the, like the top four, 90, what was it? 94.5 or whatatever. Yeah, 94.9. Oh, yeah, 94.5, 94.9. I don't know if Jammin' was playing this. I think Jammin' was playing it. Kiss 108 was playing this. Definitely Kiss 108 yeah, was playing I don't playing. think Jammin' was playing this. Maybe not. Jammin', but Jammin and BCN probably weren't. That, so if you're not. I thought John, Jammin' was the pop one when we were Jammin' kids. was the, like the, like a rap. Was it rap? Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, they weren't playing and it, but Kiss 108 does. W, WBCN was more alternative. Other than those two stations in Boston, I'm guessing every other one was playing this song. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. And it was on the charts for a long time, too. Um, the al- It sold, like, I don't know, a million copies. The album sold more, like, a million copies. I listened to a couple of the other songs from the album, and they're basically, they're li- they're a little, the first couple also went out of singles, although they didn't really chart, no. from what I could tell. They were a little better than this one, like, they had a little bit more to them, but the, the, the album is what you would expect by listening to this artist in this song. Now, the problem... The problem that I have, uh, so we, I, you know, there's not much to say about the song, but the problem that I have is with people. Again, with critics. Andrea Gannis, the, uh, VP of Atlantic Records at the time, says, radio stations across the country keep telling us the same thing over and over. They play it, and almost overnight, it's their most requested song. Maybe it's because things have been so dark lately in pop, and then along comes a record that everybody can sing along to. It's almost like a catharsis for a long people. It's like, no, it's almost like fucking... People want to consume songs that don't have any emotional depth to them or don't make them think at all or don't, you know, don't have anything that challenges them. It's like fucking the Prozac of music. That's what it is. It sort of like levels everything to this nice, even, you know, no sharp edges, but it, but it doesn't evoke anything. And that's so dark. That's an indictment on alternative music. Yeah. That's, that's what yeah, she's yeah, saying. right. Because that's what she's saying. She's it's like, like saying all this alternative. Pearl Jam, fuck Nirvana. Yeah, it's like. People want to hear this song. Music with fucking passion. Like, with passion to it. People who are singing because they fucking believe it. Do you think she believes this bullshit song that she's singing? I didn't even name her. Um, Donna, Donna Lewis. Lewis. Yes. The great Donna Lewis. The great Donna Lewis. Um, all music editor Tom Demelon called the song compelling. Compelling? Has a girlish voice that sounds like a less quirky Kate Bush. Fuck you! Oh, no. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Kate, Kate, compelling. She, and Kate Bush, like, yeah, maybe if Kate Bush had no range, what wasn't interesting, didn't have a unique sound, maybe. Oh, Tracy, uh, I think it's a Pelter from Entertainment Weekly. More sophisticated than a first listen might reveal. What? What do you mean? There's no depth to it. And that's a big music. EW at the time was a big publication. That's, Matt's not reading like, e, e, no. Like, it's hard to, if you're, if you're younger, like, Entertainment Weekly was like the yeah all music entertainment all weekly music like huge and TV like they really, yeah. it, and their reviews were legit. Kim Renfro of Insider, um, true oh true bop reminiscent of uh, Cindy Lauper music ten years but with more pizzazz more pizzazz than fucking you fucking you're comparing that to this that's crazy. Fuck you! Oh my god. How can, I can, how can Cindy, yeah, how do you even compare that shit? Cindy Lopper like still gives me chills when I hear that song. It's a great song. It, I love that it's song. It's so unique and interesting. And, and this song, this Donna Lewis song just <laughs> Cindy Lopper has such a unique personality when she sings. Like she has great control over her voice. She's a great musician, but she's such a unique 
timbre to her voice. Yes. You instantly know it's her. Absolutely. She's got awesome personality. Fucking dipshit Lewis has no personality. You hate that, Lewis. <laughs> oh, this is going to definitely make my bottom five. Yeah, I fucking hate her. I hate this song. And I hate the people that like that that were that were apologists for this song. And I hate the fact that people were listening to this song and like were requesting this song. I hate it. I hate that this happened in music. This song's really bad. I I I completely agree. I don't know if it's gonna cover my bottom five. We've we've covered so many bad so songs. Many, yeah, but I went through them today and I'm like, no, this is worse than Wind Beneath My Wings. This is a oh, worse song. No. Than that. Oh no, 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 no. Wind it's oh, worse. No, not for me. It's worse. It's worse. When we eat my wings, that that's that's yeah. It's it's bad, but at least it was crafted in a way. Like this isn't even. There's nothing there's good nothing, about this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, and it's like, is it because it's so simple? And oh, like it's so simple. It's, so it's a two chord song. Okay. So's this. Oh wow. This is a traffic version, of course. Steve, little Stevie Winwood. Is there a second Stevie Winwood? Right? Was he Spencer Davis? Group? I don't know. He might. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. That's uh, was it. Give me some loving that they did. Yes, that yes, that's exactly Steve Winwood. Well, in Steve, there too. Steve, Stevie Winwood, right? How, how Steve Winwood was good stuff, right? Very good. Yeah, I love the traffic stuff into his early solo stuff. Yeah. He is an, he's got an amazing voice. I love the timbre of his voice. And a great piano player and awesome singer. I don't. And I guess he did the Spencer Davis stuff when he was like a teenager. Yeah, he was really young and in, in through traffic too. And really then, young. I, I I don't mind some of the cheesier '80s stuff he did. No, me neither. High, back in the high life against yeah, a great song. A good song. It right? is a great song. Yeah, he's done a lot of great stuff. So is, is it because a two chord song? This is live, by the way. Are you, is it because it's such a simple song? I would say no. No, that's a great song too. Back to back, great songs. Or maybe, because, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a little group called the Beatles can write a simple song too, but make it compelling. It's tomorrow never knows, of course. Basically, so what was what? So I just spent like the morning looking at: Are there two chord songs out there that are good? And I'm like, yeah, you know, what the, another one fucking is. I love this song. You you might hate me. Oh, this is fun. I love this song. I listened to this song a hundred times before I had to listen to Don Lewis song once. Yeah. Eddie Grant, I think, uh, Electric Avenue. So then I so then I was like, wait a minute. Can we name that tune in one chord? I was like, are there any one chord songs out there? One chord songs? That are better, that are more compelling than this stupid song that we had to cover today. Hmm, maybe I found a couple. Chain of Fools by Great song. an amazing woman Aretha named Franklin, Aretha Franklin. Right? That's a one chord song. Or, a good one. or what about, this is not my favorite, but that's a what? Oh, Nilsson's Coconut. Coconut. A great song. One chord song. What about something more uh, up my alley? Of course, man. Those are Radiohead song. Yeah, National Anthem. It's a one chord song, but it's a very compelling. Very good song. It's a very good song. Very good song. Or then. <laughs> Um, something from that time period. Yep. Loser by Loser Beck, Beck, of course. Yeah. And then the big one, actually, for me, this is the one that I always think about in terms of one chord songs. This is a crazy one. Credence? Credence, clear, clear, yeah, Run Through the Jungle. Yeah. This is really, like, there's this nothing different. This is a one chord song. So, like, you can write compelling songs. You can like make emotional, compelling, thought-provoking, interesting songs with one or two chords. You just have to have a little bit of skill and craft, and this bitch don't. Uh, my, my issue with this song is the lyrics. 
Oh, they, but but there's nothing to like. She just basically repeats herself over and over again. There's nothing. Even the things she's saying, she's like, "Oh, you have beautiful blue eyes." Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll love you forever. Tell me you'll love me forever. And then something about how they're looking at the sky, which has a blue sky and then white stars. That doesn't make sense to me either. How can how can you be white stars in a blue sky? And that's literally all she says. That's it. I don't think there's any other lyric in the song. The first verse is a little bit better, but because I, I have them here, but, they're, but right. no, they're pretty like pretty the first vapid. First verse, so explain yes. some of this. Uh, no, well, yeah, she kind of sets the scene. Feels like I'm standing in a timeless dream of light mists of pale amber rose. No, that's nonsense. What's next? That doesn't make any sense. Feels like I'm lost in a deep cloud of heavenly scent, touching, discovering you. Nope. I mean, there's at least a little bit, a little bit more touching, poetic discovering. Here. I guess, but none of those things make sense, though. They're not. I'm not really defending this. I'm just saying like the first verse is, is, is has, even better than the second verse. She didn't see any of any sort of not like really. actual meaning. Well, she based it on a, a book. Um, what was the book? It was, I have it here somewhere. Fucking. Um, uh, the book of poems? So it's, it's, yeah, I can't remember it. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't find it. It was a book called Love Something. And okay. she took that line, I'll love you always forever. But it's, it's such a, you could take, you know, everybody says that, but took that line from this particular book. So she's probably kind of ruminating on this book a little bit and, and kind of painting a picture. You might get it if you read this book, but I'm never going to read this book. I guarantee there are some boring, shitty couples that have been married now for 25 years, 24 years, and this is their song. Like, that's no. our song. I guarantee no. in this country, there are, so how old would that make somebody? It makes someone like, what, let's say 50 years old. There are some people in their no. 50s that this is their song. Like, like And the wife says to the husband, everyone's well, that's us. Oh no! This, this is us. What was the song? I can't remember the uh, the American Idol winner that we did a couple uh, couple oh, the, weeks ago. Uh, whatever. Soul faces. Patrol guy. The Soul Patrol guy. And we talked about that song. Like it was kind of the sharpest decline yes, from right. the top forty yeah. because you listen to it a few times, you're completely sick of it because there's nothing to it. Right. That's what I don't get about this song. It's this. This is the same thing, but this, yet it, this was a huge video. Was on VH1 I, all the time. How is that? Did you, even did you watch the video? I. Yeah, I watched it. It's yeah. just her in her room. It's yeah, also like... Yeah, they're kind of shot but it, weird. But it's so boring and there's nothing to it. No. Like, there's nothing to any of this. No. It's all just... Even though I said those lyrics you read, there's, that's not, there's, no. it doesn't mean anything. No. There's nothing. I, I don't... There's, the, yeah. so there's, so Lost there's, faith in humanity. two chords. Two chords. There's, the lyrics are meaningless. She has the no... The video has nothing. She's not compelling she's at all. Not her at voice all. is nothing. It's nothing. like this fake girl. Also with her, do you see about her age? No. What was... What so, <laughs> So they kind of promoted her secretly as like, I think because she has, she was trying to do this young thing with her voice. They were trying to make it seem like she's might be a 19 year old. Oh, and she's like, and then they were like, how old are you? She will not disclose her age. She did. She did admit though, when this came out, she was in her thirties, but she will not say how old she is. Really? Yeah. Because she wanted to be a child. So maybe she, okay. So maybe she did that voice on purpose. Yes. Oh, totally. Play play young. Yeah. Yeah. And she, so she does this like, what is it? Coke, coquetic. Is that how you pronounce that word? Oh, I don't Coquetic know. Coquetic things when you try to be young. Um, she tries to put on that, that affectation. affectation of like this very youthful girl, but she's in her like mid thirties. You could tell in the video. She's not, she's obviously not a teenager. No, 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 no. I mean, she's you know, probably younger than me when she did that video, yeah, which is but, fine, but like, but she's not a, she's kid. not a teenager. Right. And, um, and yeah, but this video was on VH1 all the time. It was all the time. VH. Notice how you said VH1. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's right. Um, and this is about when VH1 shifted and they became kind adults. of that like, Women in their thirties will put this on when they're making breakfast in the morning. Right. Um, channel. Yeah, that's it. That's what I got with this stupid song. Song sucks. Sucks. Dude. Definitely gonna hit my bottom five. Just the question is where. Oof. Um. 
So I, I guess I got to tell where I was. Yes. So I mentioned uh, this was my first month at UNH. So it was my freshman year of college. And uh, oh, okay. we yeah. talked about that because later a few years, I can't, I don't know, whatever, uh, what episode, but we did talk about sort of where I was living because um, later on, because I was the I was an RA during that episode where you gave me shit about being a narc. Right. Um, so I was, I explained this before that my, most of my friends were a, gr a grade year older than yep. me. So they all kind of graduated er earlier than I did. And my junior year of high school was, was the best one of the four. I mean, high school is stupid, but. By the by, like, because I kind of had the run of the school because the teachers don't give it at some point during your senior year, they don't give a shit anymore, and you kind of do whatever the fuck you want, particularly in a big school like right Central was 2,000 students. So I would like hang with them and get to do kind of whatever I want. But in my senior year, most of not you know, a good portion of my closest friends were gone, so it, was a, it wasn't as fun. Mm -hmm. And I was winding down shit and had a like girlfriend that I was leaving and stuff, but so. My, when I decided, so I had a few options of where I might've gone to college. There was Syracuse. I got into the music program there. I got some money, Adelphi and Long Island. I mentioned you before, about it, yeah. which would have probably been a better fit for me. Cause, mm -hmm. and I would have had no debt at all. UNH gave me, I got a full scholarship from, well, I got half, half scholarship, um, from the university of New Hampshire from, for music. And then the other half was a grant. So I had like my tuition paid for. So that was kind of the next best one. Plus it was close. So, so I decided to go to UNH. That was later. Oh, because living uh, room and board. Oh, okay. Yeah, that didn't count. So I All do right. have, I did have student loan okay, debt because of, the, okay. of the room and board, right? Which, you know, five grand a year or something, I guess, or was at the time. Probably much more now. But I did have, the cool thing was, you know, a bunch of my friends did go to UNH. So I had some people like there who knew the lay of the land before I got there, particularly mm -hmm. my buddy, Andrew Pucci. We talked about him before too. Um, he, when he lived, when he went to, U, to UNH, he randomly got put into a dorm um, in the mini dorms. The mini dorms were, and I mentioned, I mm -hmm. talked about this a little bit when I was an RA too, but, but the mini dorms were a collection of six. They were supposed to be temporary housing in area three in UNH. They were built like 30 years before we got there. And actually three of them still stand. They, they kind of bulldoze the rest and put some other shit in there. But it was this neat little cul-de-sac community of six themed dorms that, was like, it, it was this, yeah, it was this like vibrant little neighborhood, you know, because he had 300 students all within this little cul-de-sac. It was sort of in this bowl shape at UNH too in area three. So you had kind of dorms around it, but you were sort of shielded and protected in this little, this little yeah. area. And so he, he went and lived. Um, and, and like I said, I don't think he actually requested this. He lived in a, in the mini dorm called Eaton, which was the arts and like music dorm. And so I knew he was there and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try to I'm going to request because you could request if you had specific dorms that you wanted to live in. I didn't want to live in like the huge dorms like Stoke was like a 500 person. Yeah, dorm yeah, UNH. Yeah. Like I'm, I don't want any of that. Right. Um, and, you know, even in area three where I was, there was Christensen and Williamson, which were two behemoth um, uh, made of brick, like giant uh, dorms that were like 300 each. I didn't want any of that. I want a more like a smaller community. So I ended up getting in, which was which was great because I like the 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 it basically the it formed all my important relationships everybody who i'm still in touch with from you know 15 20 years ago I'm, no one from high school except for andrew are they're all my college people like they're all 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 like my college friends and it was great because so it was it was a spoke it was like three spoked building two floors mostly singles and in the center of the of the building on both floors was a lounge so, and no one hung out in their rooms. Everybody either hung out 
in the downstairs lounge or they were playing music in the in the upstairs lounge. Okay. The upstairs lounge was had a baby grand piano, which I was on all the time, or we were doing band practice in there. It was like, I told you there were sing-alongs all the time. I know yeah. it sounds hokey and campy, but seriously, like we would all get together and hang out in this awesome community, playing songs, singing songs together. And it spawned 50 different bands, um, and uh, like all, all my important musical connections are from, from wow, that time. Okay. Yeah, like amazing musicians who I met that just all sort of collected at this one little time in my life that have been bonded to me since. So that's where I was and that's what I was doing. It was right. uh, my introduction to Eaton. So you're having which, probably a pretty good time then. Yeah, it was good. Uh, the first few weeks were tough. I, I was tough for me to leave home. Even though I wanted out, it was, it was still tough. It was a, definitely an adjustment living on my own. But those two years of me living in Eaton were definitely the best college experience that I had. Hmm. Yeah, it's great. So that's what, that's what I was doing. It's pretty good. Yeah. That's good. All right. Headlines. headlines. Okay. Find these bad boys. Let's find them. All right. So we're in October of 96. We are. So on October 13th, the New York Yankees beat the Baltimore Orioles to advance to their first World Series since 1981. It had been that long. Yeah. Because the then Yankees, they won like Yankees, a shit ton. Uh, right. So from 80, you know, 81, they went to the World Series. Yeah. They lost to the Dodgers. Right. Um, so the last time Yankees won the World Series was 78. Which seventy seven and seventy eight, which they beat the Dodgers both times. Yeah, uh, and they actually would go on to win this World Series in ninety six against the Braves. Oh, um, that's right. So uh, it would really that would be kind of the bigger drought from you know seventy eight to ninety six. Is this when they won three in a row? They never won three in a row. I thought they did. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought they won like ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, and then no, like lost to the Diamondbacks they, or something. No, they did win three in a row. You're right. So they won ninety six. Yeah, ninety seven was the Marlins. They lost to the Marlins. 99, 2000 with Yankees. Okay, yep, you're right. That's right. Yep. And then 2001, right, so they lost. Right, four to five. Three in a row, you're right. But yeah. it was still later. But right, this is the first four of the four out of five. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a dominant stretch for them. I mean, they they, they were stacked. Yeah. I mean, four to five, though, that's, that hasn't happened in my lifetime before nope. or after. You know, it's, that, we're talking, you know, Yankees, uh, Yankees did win five World Series in a row twice. But they did it, you know, the 30s or something. Uh, even more recently. If was it was not too much more recently, but 49. Yeah. Um, to 53. Yeah. Right? And then, uh, maybe you just did it the one time. I'm getting old here. I'm forgetting stuff. Yeah, um, you are. You are I know. This, you see, this you, is your wheelhouse. I know. That's why I, I was so definitely did it. 49 to 53, they did it. Yeah. Uh, but this is a dawn, like, definitely dominant. This is like Posada. This is that, that, like, right. Yeah. That yeah. Time Posada. Period. You have Tino Martinez, right. uh, which is a shame because Don Manning just retired. So yeah. he, Manning, he played on the 82 Yankees. So he missed the World Series in 81. And then he played on the 95 Yankees. Yep. They went to the playoffs at least, but they lost to the Mariners that first round. And the 96, he was gone. So basically the Mattingly era encapsulates when they weren't in the World uh -huh. Series. Yeah, you had Tino Martinez at first. You had, yep. uh, eventually you'd have Chuck Knobloch at second. That's had, right. You didn't get like Ruby Soho there that year or whatever. Shortstop was Jeter. Yep, At third base then was uh, Wade Boggs and Charlie Hayes. It was Wade Boggs' only World Series win. That's right. Uh, was that year. And then the outfield, you had Bernie Williams in Blair. center. Yep. And you had uh, Paul O'Neill in right. Um like on the left fielder right now. And this is still Rivera, been, like Rivera's young, and you've got you oh, have a Mario, shit ton. Yeah, well, this year though was um was this Clemens too pitching for the Yankees? No, so no point? Clemens, and Rivera was even the closer. He it wasn't was, uh, John, wasn't it John? What was you could the, be right. John Wetland, I think, was the closer in '96. Still, I think Rivera might have been instead of man. Yeah, I think Rivera took over the next year. Yeah, yeah, you had Stacked. a good staff. You had uh, well, you had David Wells. Yeah, um, it was an okay staff. But you don't think though, like those guys are going to win four to five. You had David Cohn. Yep, 
Um, Wells, you know, you had you had a good staff, but I mean, four out of five it's though. Crazy. It's, and to beat the Braves, that '96 Braves team was, was great because you got you have you have the big three in the front. You got Maddox, you've got Smoltz, you've got Glavin. Uh, Glavin. Who's the four? There's you, actually four. You had you had like Denny Nagel was yeah, good. I mean, right. you had that team, was, and then that, yeah, a lineup was sick. That Braves team was really talent wise. That Braves team was, I think, better than the '96 Yankees. But '96 Yankees just just steamrolled. Figured it out. They were they won in six. The Braves won the first two games, had a meltdown. Oh, in the third game, yeah. And it was up 2-0, and people like, Yankees going to get swept. Yeah. Because the Braves had just won the 95 World Series. And then uh, Mark Wohler's, uh, I think that's the Jim Larritz game, when Larritz hit uh, a home run. And then uh, and then it was then it was all Yankees that won four in a row. Yep. Backdoor sweep. Um, October 16th, uh, Bill Clinton and Bob Dole have their final debate. Oh, Bob Dole. Bob Dole. You know, it's, you, know you look back at stuff like that. You know, I look back at, like, Bob Dole or, like, John Kerry or... Like, those guys were never going to be president. Nah, it was just never going to happen. No, they didn't have much personality to them. I just, I just, can you imagine like Bob Dole or John Kerry's president? Nah, you know, it's like hard to even like. I don't even like that. All of a sudden, a reality just seems bizarre to me. I just don't. Yeah, he was never going to win. No, I mean, especially in '96, the economy was starting to ramp back up again. It was just he had no shot. No, no, fuck him. Didn't. didn't. Goodbye, uh, Bob. Bob Dole. Goodbye. Bob Dole. But they're still alive, right? I think so. Like yeah, he's, he's old dude. He's yeah. really old. Yeah. So October sixteenth, Jason Bernard dies. Now he was—he's a character actor at best. He was the judge uh, in Liar Liar. He's a black guy. Yep. Um, so oh yeah. He, so he died uh, right after they finished shooting that movie. So he died before Liar Liar came out. Really? Um, he—I'm not. I mean, he's whatever. It's sad. He's you know he's going back to yeah, sad, more, yeah. Just I want to kind of talk to you a bit about like the circumstances of how he died a little bit. So he's driving in Burbank. He's 58 years old. Gets a heart attack, crashes into another car, and then by the time he gets to the hospital, he's dead. Like, think, think about like, I mean, when that guy woke up that day. Like, I'm he, an actor. I got a hit movie coming out with yeah, Jim Carrey. Yeah, he's probably just like, just doing his thing. I'm in like, Burbank. Right, or any of us. You know, what, what if you wake up, but like, that's the last. I think about it all the time. Do, this, do you this really? Could, this could be my, this could be it. Really? Yeah, all the time. You. All the time. Kind of psychotic. I know. Right? No, do, are you nervous about like it being like your last day though? Like, you know. No, no, not that often, but I do think about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't? Who isn't confronted with their mortality on a daily basis? We're also taping this on, on September 12th. So, you know, yesterday is 9 11. Yeah. So, you know, I always think about those guys. They go to work and the next thing you know, they're jumping out of a building. Jesus I'm like, like, you know, what the fuck? You know, it's just how quick it can turn. You know, most of our lives are non-eventful like the you know most of it is the routine of going to the supermarket or going to our jobs or whatever we're doing and even the things that are eventful weddings births stuff like that is planned or you know you have time to kind of get ready for it and a lot of deaths are too like i'm i'm always a little bit like fascinated with sudden deaths because i never experienced that my dad died of cancer but took him four years my grandmother passed away recently my grandfather um you know they both had you know kind of long Long diseases yeah but the craziest story i can remember growing up was a kid i went to school with He's a, he's a, he's a like, acquaintance, not a friend of mine, but an acquaintance. And their family had spent years saving for this trip to Europe. And it was him, his brother, and his parents all went to France. But they went all over Europe. They yeah. wanted to do France. One thing they were doing in France was hiking up this mountain. And before they get to the top of the mountain, the dad just drops dead. Fuck. Right, so now you got to now get him off the mountain. Yeah. Now you got to then get him into some sort of thing to bring him back home. Uh, and I was just like, Hey, imagine that family. Like they save and save and save, and they, you know, and to then, have this, yeah, mem- like this lifelong memory as right. a family, and it's just you're and crushed. It's, it's crushed, and it like destroys. You yeah, know, the family's you know gone, and it's just like, you know, when he went on that, 
you know, when he locked his door and got in the airport, like, did he, like, he no. never would see his life. It's just crazy to me that, like, you know, so much of our life is, is so structured and, and so, you know, we kind of know what's going to happen, more or less what's going to happen before, you know. And, but then, like, there are those times, though, when it's just, and some of the most important things, and it's just, it completely blindsides you. Sure. I, 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 have you ever had any experiences with people who died suddenly? I don't have many. I think just probably in high school, I'm having vague recollections of people who passed like for, we don't have anyone in in your important in your life that died suddenly. No. Um, I've been, yeah. So I wasn't that close to her, but I had an aunt who died. Uh, I still don't know what the circumstances were. Like she was found dead in her, uh, Boston apartment. Oh, my grandparents, this is my dad's side, which I'm not close to. Okay. And, uh, so, her, uh, my grandparents were in Iowa at that time. I was going out to Iowa during the summers. We've talked about yeah, that yeah, before, yeah. I think. And uh, so my, I know I, I went to that funeral, but it was after the point where I wasn't really connected with my dad anymore. And so I, I, I didn't get the full story, but it was, it was suspicious. And we don't like, I've never gotten any closure on it, which wow. is really weird. Um, yes, yeah, someone found her in her apartment dead. My grand, my grandfather. I remember him saying that he like drove all through the night from oh. Iowa to get back to Boston to like, you know, identify her and all sorts oh. of stuff. And, um, it's a tough drive. Yeah. Can you imagine? You're like, it's, yeah, it's 24 hour drive. Basically it's, it's, it's about that 20 hour, 24 hour drive from Des Moines. And yeah, you're just the whole time. Like I'm going back for this particular, because my oh. daughter's died. I mean, it's horrid. That's horrid. Awful. And I, but I've never been told, like, I have no idea why, like it didn't, if, if it were like, Oh, she had a heart attack or, Oh, she had a, it was never explained to me that way. It was never told. I was never told those type, that type of shit bothers me. Cause I just like, give me the fucking reason, but now I'm not connected to these folks. So are you, I don't know you, how I always thought a great, a great way to die would be, I get told basically I have like a month to live and then that way I can kind of set my affairs in order. I can also like, you know, tell people that I love, I love them, you know, like there's hmm. no like, but, but then I'm also not like suffering like my dad did for years and years and years. I, I don't, I don't think I'd want to die suddenly like that. That seems I don't know. I, 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 you want, but you want to know that what the end date is like, that's, that would be, I think if that you would give haunt me a me. month. If you're like, like, give me a month, a month's good. Yeah. But then what about the last few days? That's gotta be harrowing. I, I guess. I think also you have a month to kind of get, imagine those last moments. Imagine Jason Benari, this guy's driving and he's realizing what's happening in those last seconds must be like, what if he has some regret or some sort of thing? Like, yeah, I guess you could start to deal with it, but then things would probably come up throughout the, you know, you, oh, I forgot about this thing. Oh, I guess your mind is racing yeah, towards yes, the Yeah, I guess, but I mean, months a long time. You're going to get your shit together. I don't know. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want, I definitely, I know, okay, so if I was going to get cancer again, or again, if I was going to get cancer, like, I never had cancer. Jesus Christ. If I was going to get cancer like my dad or, or like my nana yeah, had, right. like I would, um, I would, I would think I would like do the Kevorkian route potentially. You just take yourself out. Oh, I, I think assisted su- my, suicide is absolutely an option. Get my affairs in order. Tell my family. You know, I talk. I wouldn't just like randomly do it. I would talk to my family about it and maybe like make it even like a like a fun day. You know, as much as you can make it fun or whatever. Just do something where you kind of can. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of dignity in that in that move. I'm not sure that I have that. Maybe you know, I when I face mortality, it might be different. I'm not sure that I could pull the trigger like that, but maybe, maybe I could. Maybe I'd have the balls to. But I, but the, I know the alternative is terrible. Like you don't want to just waste away. Yeah. Forget your people being pain the entire time. Right. Yeah, that's no existence. Probably drain on people. It's just, yeah, it's, you're right. That's tough, you're, man. You are, it's yeah. not, I, I look at that pit in the pain, like the excruciating pain at the end. Like, ah, I'm, I'm good with that. That doesn't seem like a fun, fun experience. I don't know. I just, I just, but that dies suddenly like that. It, like I said, I'm, I'm lucky where no one in my family or no, none of my friends have died. Yeah. So I'm guessing if I live long enough, I'm going to, 
someone I love and care about is going to drop of a heart attack, whether it be a friend, you know, just Probably. if you live long enough, you just, people around that you start happens. to start to die. Yeah. And, um, my grandmother says that often, like all my, all my, she's like 90 now and she's like, yeah, all my friend, you know, all my friends are gone. Basically. Right. I know. So yeah, you will. Yeah. You'll experience that. So I'm guessing some friend of mine will drop a heart attack and it's going to be sudden. It's going to be shocking and it's going to be, and it's just like, oh man, that's, but is that a better way to go? You're healthy up until the very end. Is that, um, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I'd love to be active until it's over. Right. That's, you know, I just, I just wouldn't, I don't know the idea of like just not being able to really say goodbye. That's why you got to put your affairs in order now. Make I know. Sure everybody, I know. You, I, <laughs> everybody to, I, I get along with everybody, family. I get along with my friends. I think, you yeah. know, I, people I care about, I know, and know I care about them. So, totally. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I try to for that, for that reason. If you're listening to this, Tell people you love Hug them. your parents. Yeah, why not, right? <laughs> no, who likes to hear that? It's not a bad thing to say to anyone. No. People love to hear it. So, yeah. I, yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else? What's, uh, we're what are, back. Uh, we are back in... Uh, in 96. We're back in 96. We're back on Saturday with uh, That Thing You Do. Oh, right. That Thing You Do. The movie song and, and movie. we're going to cover the song. Yeah, which is that's, that's gonna be fun. kind of a, yeah. a giant it was That like our Thing purple, You Do. Our Purple Rain episode. Yes. We kind of did that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, anything else? Okay. See you then.